Well, good afternoon, Church at Four. It's wonderful to be with you as we finish Romans uh, for after a long time. Now, if you are a young person who's got one of the sheets from News to Notice, I've got four pictures for you today. You've got to look out for the watermelons. Now, a couple of them are really quick, so you've got to be really focused and get the pictures down, and they'll help you track through our passage today. And for everyone else, um, we're going to have a Q&A later. All the way through the slides is the phone number. Send your questions in. We'd love, Josh and I would love to delve into them later on. Well, let me tell you a story. This man was a child of an atheist father and a Christian mother, and she surrounded him in prayer. But by 16, he was parting hard. At university, he abandoned all the Christian beliefs and morals his mother taught him and just got involved in philosophy and astrology and more partying. Now, one day he was in the garden and his house was next door to a, like a kindergarten and he heard the kids singing a very common song, which was, take up and read, take up and read. So this gentleman, he opened the New Testament and he flicked, just opened it up and flicked it. Not a good idea, but he did it. And it landed on Romans 13, verse 14. And here's what it said. Put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. Those words from Romans, they cut him to the heart. And Augustine of Hippo turned to Christ in 386 AD. Augustine became a great preacher, a theologian and a leader in the North African church. The gospel changed his life. Now, Paul's letter to the Romans, it pops up in a lot of people's testimonies. Now, why is that? Well, in Romans, we hear the gospel, the good news of God. All of the Bible is ultimately about the gospel. And in Romans, we hear it explained in such a full and clear way. So today we're just going to sit and we're going to drink in two great verses of Romans. And we're going to look at four questions. What is the gospel? What is this salvation? Who's it for? And why would we be ashamed of the gospel? So Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Question one, what is the gospel? Well, the word means good news. But the gospel is not any good news. It is God's good news. You see, God owns it. God originated it. God invented it. And that's important because Romans and the gospel are not the result of Paul's incredible theological brain. He didn't discover the gospel. He's not enlightened to discover this new thing. No, no. God uses Paul to communicate his message. His good gospel to the Roman church and us. Okay, so what is the good news? Well, on the screen, put simply, the gospel of God is the good news about Jesus. I love it, isn't it? It's not about you or me. We don't actually, we're not part of the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. But we've been reading Romans for four years. We need a bigger definition. So here it is on the screen. The gospel of God is the good news about Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who was promised in the Old Testament, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the law, died on the cross 
to satisfy God's wrath against guilty humans. He rose from the dead and is now at God's right hand offering forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit, peace with God, freedom from the bondage of sin and guaranteed hope of eternal life to all who believe in him. God's gospel is what God has done in Jesus. It's not good advice. It's not a call to work harder to reach God. No, Jesus' call for people to repent, for people to believe, for people to take up their cross, for people to obey his words, they're all appropriate responses to the gospel. But they're not the gospel. The gospel is what God has done through Jesus. No wonder, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation. So question two, what is this salvation? Well, throughout Romans, we have read about the human predicament. The human predicament is that we're all helpless, broken, lost, sinful people. And no amount of positive thinking or self-denial, that's not me, or being nice to someone, or blaming others, it's not my fault if I've sinned, or good works, I, I do lots of good things. None of those things change that reality. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, by doing anything. Rather, actually, the law, God's law, we become conscious of sin. Every human being stands before their God unrighteous, guilty, and will face the fair and just punishment for the life they have lived. But look at the next verse, chapter 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. This is the gospel. Through Jesus, God gives his righteousness to sinners. Now, it's 1515. And there's this guy, he's an Augustan monk, which means he's a monk in the line of Augustine. We've heard about him before. And this guy, this monk, he's a professor of biblical studies. And he was preparing lectures in Romans one day and he was studying and studying. And he came across this ancient note of Augustine who defined righteousness of Christ. And what Augustine wrote, what this man found was this. When Paul speaks of the righteousness of Christ in Romans 1.16, it is not the righteousness by which God is righteous, but that righteousness that he freely gives to those who put their trust in Jesus. For the first time in his life, this young man, who had lived with constant guilt, constant shame, found salvation. He understood the grace of Christ and the doors of paradise opened and he walked through. His name was 
Martin Luther. The gospel changed his life. Because the gospel declares, Christian, you're righteous. You're clean of sin. You are declared not guilty forever. It's true today. It's true when you're feeling really low. It's true when you're tired. It's true when you stuff up. Drink that in, church at four. That's the gospel. God's gift to you. And how's that possible? How's that fair? Well, over in 2 Corinthians, it's very helpful. And Paul says this, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The gospel announces the great exchange. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived a perfect life, gave his life for us. On the cross, Jesus was regarded and treated by the Father as if he'd led your life, my life. He received the wrath we deserved. And Christians, in turn, we are regarded by God as if we had lived the perfect life of Christ. We are declared righteous. And because of that, we receive the forgiveness of sins, peace with God, freedom from the tyranny and addiction to sin, reconciliation with God and others, and a certain hope through the mercy of Jesus. No one in Orange will find those things without Jesus. That's the gospel. So question three, who's the gospel for? Well, chapter 1, verse 16, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. The gospel offers salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and Gentile, to the chosen people and to the rest of the world, to men and women, boys, girls. God loves saving people. And anyone who comes to Jesus Christ in faith will be saved in an instant. This has always been the case. If you have a look in verse 17, Paul says, from faith to faith, or by faith from first to last, depending on what your version says. But basically the message is the same. It's from faith to faith. From Abraham to 2021, it's always been by faith by trusting in God that we are saved. So who won't be saved? The hard and stony heart. Those who make God justify himself. Those who come to God with clenched fists, who say, God, let's do a deal, who say, Sorry to God, but don't actually mean it. Are you a person of faith? Saving faith is saying sorry to Jesus for your sins and then trusting your whole life, your soul, your eternity 
on the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. If that is you, then you are saved, brother and sister. If that's not you, why not? Jesus says anyone who comes to him in faith will never be turned away. So question four, why would we be ashamed of this gospel? Now, we all understand shame, don't we? It's powerful, powerful emotion. And I can, I've been memorising it all day, remembering it all day, sorry. The shame I felt in year five when I forgot my one line in the year five play. And then everyone looked at me. I remember the shame I felt avoiding telling my new uni friends, 18 year old, just been a Christian for 12 months. I meant, I can still remember the shame I felt when I was just, I just wouldn't tell them that I was going off to CBS, the Christian group. You see, shame, it compels us to be, to be silent. It makes us be quiet and it can even change how we behave. Now, the book of Romans, it's told us that Paul is so passionate, isn't he? He's passionate to visit Rome and Spain. And we get that, don't we? Rome, pizza, art, Colosseum, Spain, paella, football. No, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul doesn't want to go to Rome as a tourist, but as an evangelist. He is desperate to share the gospel of God with the people of Rome and Spain. Do you think Paul ever felt ashamed? Well, Rome was the New York or London of the first century. It was the centre of the known world. What hope did Paul have with the emperor, the intelligentsia or the influences? No doubt he was aware of his weaknesses and the challenges of sharing the gospel. I think most of us know the shame Paul's talking about, don't we? We know the glare when someone at work or school finds out that you're a Christian and they kind of look at you as if you have something growing out of your head. Or just the mocking laughter when you say, oh yeah, I went to church on the weekend. But I actually think it's more than peer pressure. I think inbuilt in the gospel is shame. You see, the gospel is humbling. The gospel declares that you and me, we fall short no matter who we are, whether we're the mayor of Orange or a nobody. We all fall short. Actually, and we all need a saviour. And actually, in our modern world, we don't like to think bad of ourselves. So we run away from that. The gospel is also unpopular in our syncretistic world, in our pluralistic world that just wants to kind of bring everything together. The claim that salvation is found in no one else and there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. It's a problem for our modern world. This super helpful book, Being the Bad Guy, Steve McCalpine, I could, cannot encourage you enough to read it. It's fantastic. But Steve McAlpine says this, Christians are now viewed as the bad guys. Christianity is no longer a, an option. It's a problem. And finally, the gospel, 
is all about the cross. And the cross is all about shame. You see, the cross is not about the blood and the gore. It's about shame. The cross said, you challenge Rome, Rome will shame you. It'll crucify you naked on the corner of Summer Street in front of the whole town and you will be humiliated and you will die slowly and everyone will see it. The cross was shameful and it's the cross where our Saviour hung. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy that lay before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand on the throne of God. Why does Paul choose not to be ashamed of the gospel? Well, he was convicted by the Holy Spirit that the gospel is what people in Rome and Spain needed to hear. It was good news for everyone. It was God's power to save. And we will never share the gospel of Jesus with Orange or beyond without that same conviction. That people in our school classrooms when we get to go back or people in our office or people in the workshop or people in the vaccination line or the people we go walking with that they need to hear the good news of Jesus. There's a great old hymn. We have a story to tell the nations that will turn their hearts right. I think this is a big challenge for OEC moving forward. You see, the gospel It's the centre of OEC. You will hear it every week. And when we were young, fragile, helpless, homeless, we were meeting in school halls whenever they let us in. You see, the gospel, sharing the gospel was the way we existed, the way we grew. But now we're bigger. We're a stable church. We have enormous transfer growth. We are popular. And we have excellent ministries. And so in the vaccination line or on the walk with your friends or in the workshop or in the classroom or in the office, you'll often hear yourself going up talking about church. You might talk about the building project we're having. Or you might talk about our growth in numbers. OEC, have you got good news for Orange? You do. Don't be ashamed. Of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the cross of Jesus. It is the most loving thing you can ever do to share the good news of Jesus with people. As the Romans 10 verse 15 told us many months ago, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So to finish today, to finish Romans, I've got two challenges. The first one is this. As you're out driving around, driving down Plowman's Lane and down Cargo Road, and you drive past this building site, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to write it on a post-it note, stick it on your car, and pray this prayer. Lord, help me not to be ashamed of the gospel in my, and you've got to put the next bit in, in my classroom 
in my workplace, with my family. As you drive past the building site, Lord, help me not to be ashamed of you. Second challenge, in preparation for next year, we're going to pray this prayer. On your fridge, on your bathroom mirror, post-it note, ready? Lord, bring at, at a person's name with me to Christianity Explored in 2022. We are going to have four Christianity Explored over in the building next year. We want it full of OEC people bringing their friends, praying for, from, for them from this day to bring them to hear about the gospel of Jesus. We are not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you are a God who saves. And your salvation is when you give us your righteousness because of the work of Jesus on that shameful cross. So we come to you today as people of faith saying thank you. Thank you for the gospel. May your spirit help us to understand it and enjoy it and let it transform our lives each day. And may we never be ashamed of the gospel. May we share it with the people of Orange and beyond.